Hello and welcome to Connected with Lori. I am your host, Lori Caruso. On this episode, we are going to be discussing what it takes to build a network. Building the infrastructure is a critical part and you have to get it right to avoid these costly mistakes. I'd like to welcome my guest, Mr. John Saliga from Engineering Wireless Services. Hey, John, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you could be a part of it. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. So I know that you build infrastructure, but I want to hear more about what does engineering wireless service do today? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's exactly as our name sounds. We're an engineering-focused firm. Uh, solutions we provide range. Uh, you know, cellular solutions is probably our number one. Uh, public safety for code compliance is, is in there, along with private LTE is becoming much more popular in, the, in this environment. So I know infrastructure, getting it right, putting the deployment intact and building it from A to Z is critical. We talk about what can go wrong within the process. Let's take you, let's take the audience through the process. What does it look like if a customer contacts you? What's your first step for the customer? How do you engage? So really it's an educational process for us from the beginning. Uh, we walk through, let's say it's a public safety deployment or a code compliance item, and we really walk through that process and, and help them understand timelines, uh, cost associated with, with any given solution, and then the, the limiting factors that, that come into play, like building uh, density, the structure, glass, um, <clears throat> the exterior network as well, and, and, and what that means from a design perspective. You know, and in addition to that piece, it, it really works the same uh, with cellular too. So, you know, taking into account the exterior network, making sure we have a system designed that's going to ultimately work and be accepted by, you know, AHJs or the carriers. Um, that's, that's really the, the big piece of, of how we're presenting and helping our, our customers understand what we're deploying. So I know we do have a lot of acronyms in our industry. Why don't we share exactly? So um, HJ for public safety authorities, housing jurisdiction are the ones that actually um, go in to make sure that there's connectivity, public safety connectivity from the radios all through the building. And then the carriers, the carriers are obviously the mobile network operators, the T-Mobiles, the Verizons, and the AT&Ts of the world. Those are two critical concepts or two critical components to making sure that the infrastructure is built. Why don't we talk a little bit about their involvement with the process and why that's so important? Sure. Uh, you know, on the public safety side for compliance, the AHJ is really the, they're the, the hand of God in this, in this case, right? They, they say what goes, what doesn't go. Um, you know, they have the authority to come in and make last minute changes that could have a huge impact on project and budget. But their, their role is really, it's, a, and it's, it's an important role, right? They're ensuring that there's adequate radio coverage throughout the entire facility um, in critical spaces like stairwells, uh, pump rooms, basement areas, underground parking um, to ensure that fire in the event of an emergency, the firefighters will have the ability to communicate in and out. You know, from the carrier side of things, different solution, right? From the, the cellular standpoint, um, a, lot of, a lot of consumers and customers don't really understand that, that it's not really that they're dictating to just drive cost up, right? They're, they're looking at it from a perception standpoint. So for us as an, as an engineering firm, we have specific design criteria that we have to meet to ensure that the user walking through that facility is going to have five bars of coverage, that they're going to have, you know, fast data throughput. If we were to deploy a solution 
that didn't meet those standards or that design criteria, well, the customer is not going to know that, oops, engineering wireless did a bad job with, with the deployment. They're just going to look at it as, oh, well, Verizon or AT&T, they have a bad network here. And that perception is really just skewed, right? We're still out of the picture for the most part, but it's where that approval really comes into play from, from the carriers, even if they're not paying for it. It's interesting. It is interesting. And yeah, I mean, if you are, you know, a property owner and your tenants are coming to you saying my cell phone doesn't work, I have whatever cell phone carrier that day, but my cell phone doesn't work. I need to make sure there's coverage. That property owner then says, okay, well, I hear a complaint from this company. I'm going to go to that company. I'm going to say, you need to put service in my building because I have people here that need to have connectivity. So that typically is the way we see, you know, these these uh, conversations, so to speak, start for property owners. And then the strategy begins. And I'm curious, what is the first step in the strategy? And I know from my experience, it's really important to have a site survey. Is that right? Yeah, site survey is, is probably one of the first steps. Um, we like to gather a little bit of information in advance before even making it out to the site, right? Understanding how many users are gonna be within the facility any given day. Um, overall size of the structure itself, it has a huge impact into project cost and, and uh, length of time for deployment. You know, if we're looking at something that's less than 100,000 square feet with a limited amount of users, it's going to make it really difficult to get carrier participation where they may provide some sort of a signal source or, um, you know, that initial piece to, to feed into a system. Uh, larger structures, a little bit easier, right? If we've got a large number of users walking through on a daily basis, if it's a uh, public venue with high traffic, it has the attention more with the carriers and it's a little bit of an easier sell. Um, we'll have an easier time obtaining that signal source or at least getting the approvals for it. And then overall cost from a cost per square foot will look better. Yeah. So for the site survey piece, understanding what it looks like from a, a connectivity standpoint, so the carriers, you can start engaging the carriers to have those high level discussions of what needs to be covered. And, you know, another part to that as well, when I start working with these enterprise customers, the property owners, they come to you and they say, okay, what do we need to give you to start this process? And floor plans are always really important to have right in the start, right? Talk good to me a little plans. bit about that. <laughs> yeah, good floor plans are very important. Uh, you know, depending on building age, right? It could be a building that's 30 years old, could be a building that's five years old. There's a lot of changes that can take place in that, in that period. So, you know, having a good set of plans that is up to date, uh, preferably in, you know, in a CAD format, is ideal for us. It's, it makes it easier or easier for import into our design software. So that's that's a key component. Um, you know, having the knowledge as to where telecom closets are, where the DMARC is for backhaul coming into the facility as well. Also, it's very helpful in the initial design phase too. Uh, it gives us a little bit of a head start on where we can place equipment. Um, you know, secure locations to house that that um, you know media converter essentially is what the amplifiers are. A lot of times too, customers might have fiber. They might have strands of dark fiber that they don't know exist and they you know, figure out down the road that they've got a fiber map and that there are strands available. How does that reduce the cost of the project if there are available strands to be able to utilize for the network? Well, it reduces some of the material costs that could be associated from you know, floor to floor going through the risers to connect our equipment. Um, also, just overall labor for the installation. You know, there's a cost associated with everything. When, when we're pricing out a project, we look at every 
every little piece of a, of a product that has to be in, installed, right? If it's fiber, if it's coax, if it's category cable, antennas, splitters. I mean, each one of those items requires a person to physically take it, move it into place, fasten it, and ensure that it's properly installed, all of which have a cost associated. It does. Let's talk about cost for a little bit. It's expensive. It can be expensive. How, what are ways that it can be reduced. Are there certain ways that they can, you know, deploy maybe the same time? Maybe you can put that Wi-Fi network in at the same time you're putting the cellular DAS network in. What are some of the ways that we can reduce the cost? You know, it, it's, uh, that's a real tough one. Honestly, my my recommendation in any, any case is to do it as early as possible, right? If you've got a new build, new construction, I mean, that is key prime real estate for an integrator like us because, you know, we're going in before it's occupied. We're not working around tenants. Uh, typically the ceiling space is open and we've got free range to go through and not worry about damaging uh, ceiling tiles or, or hardwood. You know, that's, that's always the ideal scenario. Um, aside from that, it's, it's just having a flexible working schedule. Uh, you know, if we can get in during the nighttime hours, uh, after hours, uh, it's helpful. Just navigating through the facility easier is going to be a big help. Really important. And there are definitely other ways that we can look to assist these property owners on how other ways to reduce cost. And we're going to come right back to that. But before that, we're going to take a short break. Stay tuned. Engineering Wireless Services, EWS, provides comprehensive turnkey design, build, maintenance, upgrade, management and consulting services in the cellular, public safety, and private LTE telecom business sectors. EWS has the experience, resources, and technical skills required to meet our customers' needs while ensuring compliance with complex local, state, and federal regulations. For more information on how EWS can help your communication needs, please call 480-968-6000 or visit our website engineeringwireless.com. VoltServer's patented digital electricity solutions deliver cost-effective, reliable power where and when you need. The digital electricity platform is trusted by the world's largest mobile network operators, and it is deployed at hundreds of marquee sites, including stadiums, airports, and office buildings. What can VoltServer power for you? For more information, visit our website at www.voltserver.com or contact us at 888-622-VOLT. That's 888-622-8658. Welcome back to Connected with Lori. Again, we're here with John Saliga from Engineering Wireless Services talking about building deployments and networks. And before the break, John, we were talking about ways that customers can save money when it comes to these builds. These projects tend to be costly. And a lot of times, especially with public safety, if you're being told you need to deploy a public safety system or you're going to start seeing some fines, people don't necessarily have that budget that's lined up with what they need to do at that critical moment. So, you know, we usually look at reducing or putting it into rather a CapEx, maybe, you know, an, an OpEx model. So there's financing involved. So there, we'll get into that in a second. But Tell me also, from a strategy perspective, usually when I tell my clients, let's look at a network strategy overall. So we have a phased approach. That way we can understand what it looks like with their deployment. Tell me a little bit about how you guys do that phased approach. 
Yeah, so and for us, really, it's, it's about flexibility to the customer, um, knowing that some construction projects, we're going to have certain levels of a facility, they're going to have occupancy dates earlier than the rest, right? As construction continues, then additional floor, floors will be open. Um, but what we do is in our, our pricing and our project layout, we'll list those as separate phases to just try and help ease the burden of that overall expense. It allows for progress billing throughout the course of construction instead of lump sum payments. We found that to be a little bit of a benefit for some of our customers. Yeah, that's great. And I look at this as an all in. If they're going to be, especially in new construction, they're looking at putting in Wi-Fi. They're looking at putting in security. They're looking at putting in that cellular data system. Your walls are open. Your ceilings are open. Let's run all the cabling and the fiber and do everything all in. So then you get it to an edge. And then that way you can plug in once things are built around you. Does that yeah. work well for you? Absolutely. You know, I always say fiber is cheap. So if, if you're going to put, if you're going to have that fiber infrastructure and that backbone throughout your facility, you know, don't cut yourself short at, at, you know, 12 pairs or 24 pair, you know, run, run as much as you can, as much as it fits within your budget, because at some point in the future, you're going to run out of space again, and you're going to be looking for that additional infrastructure. And if you put it in early, you're definitely going to save cost in the long run. Same thing for horizontal runs. If, if you're looking at more of a, you know, an SD-LAN type solution where you have fiber out to an edge to a, like an ONT, um, pull more fiber, pull additional copper if you can, if, if there's budget available, it's going to save money in the long run. So John, we were talking about ways that customers, especially if they have older networks mm -hmm. and, you know, from the 2013 maybe range to the 2016 range, we have those networks that were installed with an equipment manufacturer that might not have the equipment available today. Um, it's gone end of life. So the customers are coming to us and they're saying, what do I do now? I want to go ahead and, you know, upgrade the system, but I can't, the system doesn't work anymore. I can't get the parts. Do we look at that as, I guess we call rip and replace? Do they have to do that? Can we utilize some of the equipment, maybe coax, fiber? What, what can we utilize? Yeah, so you, can, you know, we run into this pretty often and, and much more lately than in the past. Um, we try to take a, a very you know, cost-friendly approach to this. If, if there's infrastructure that's still in place that we can utilize, we're definitely gonna to, you know, use that as an option. Uh, we will do some quality control items in, in, in that, through that process, like cable testing, you know, line sweeping, PIM testing. Um, but in a lot of cases, the fiber infrastructure and the backbone, that's gonna hold a much longer warranty. It's gonna stay um, usable for a much longer period of time than what you would see in, in some of our components and the, the DAS side of things for cellular and public safety. Um, you know, with technology changes and with the, the advancement in LTE, there's the older components that were deployed years ago. They just don't support a wide enough spectrum of, of bandwidth to, to really broadcast and, and push that signal out that's usable for the users itself. Um, most, most often the antenna infrastructure, the cabling, that'll support basically any frequency down from 6,000 megahertz into you know, usable like 600 megahertz where T-Mobile's spectrum starts off. And you may have a few passives in between that don't, but it's much cheaper to replace a few components than it is the entire system. Um, the, the active piece though, that, that's, that's where we start running into a, a, that rip and replace. Uh, you know, those components, they're running 24 seven, 365. That's, there's heat being generated. It's a lot of the, the pieces. Uh, I mean, they just don't, they can't stand up to that much use, that much wear over time. I'd, I'd say one of the more popular questions that we get on initial deployment is how long is this gonna last? You know, it, and that's a real tough one, right? We say five years, seven years, 10 years. 
but it really comes down to the, the network itself and the changes in technology and, and advancement in LTE and, and how we look at uh, the network as a whole moving forward. Yeah, no question. And, you know, like we were talking, when a customer comes to us and they say, you know, what do we, what do we do? Do we, do we have an upgrade plan in place? You know, we're going to be installing this network in our new building, high class, top of the line system. Do we need to have an upgrade approach for the future so we can at least budget for it? Do we budget for that? Or do we just have the gotcha when you need to upgrade the system? Well, you can definitely plan for it. I've worked with a few customers recently that are, are looking at it from a depreciation standpoint, right? Do we do we plan for a five-year, seven-year, 10-year depreciation so that they can account for that from a budget standpoint, right? For future items moving forward to have budget available. Um, it's it's really, it's, it's a hard one to, to, to track and to follow. Um, I always suggest it, uh, you know, plan for a five-year replacement on, on product because um, usually the first piece to die off is going to be like a power supply, uh, maybe an amplifier within that overall structure. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a dice roll to see if the OEM is going to continue to support past five to seven years. So as we mentioned, so important to have the strategy for the build, to understand that you also have a leasing financing model available to you, some, some ways to do it, companies do offer that, and to also start talking within that financing piece, what you can do within a five-year, seven-year, 10-year period, so you can make sure that you have the upgraded availability and the monies behind it secure into your project. I think it's a really important piece. One last thing I wanna talk about is, you know, obviously with this pandemic, it's challenged us as far as, you know, getting equipment in, um, having it on back order. When do we see that staging piece happen on equipment? Um, you know, as far as getting your people to work so they can install, what are some of your issues or challenges that you've had because of the pandemic? You know, we've had some setbacks with material uh, and that's, we, we saw that coming to be honest. And, and one of the things that we've tried to do is be more proactive. Once we know that we have a project, we're, we're confident that it's going to be funded and that we'll have a purchase order in place, we'll start pre-ordering. You know, if, if it's a, a consistent customer with an active workload that we're supporting regularly, we'll start pulling material in in advance just to make sure that we have it in stock. We'll leave it with distribution so that the clock doesn't necessarily start ticking with us, but we'll, we'll do everything we can to cut down those lead times you know, with, with the, the travel aspect though, um, we've been very fortunate to stay busy in the Southwest where we're, our, where we're headquartered at, but we do have staff cross country. We've got staff out of Colorado, Texas, New York, uh, North Carolina, Illinois. We're looking to add more um, employees in the Florida market too. And with that, you know, it's, it's just being cautious. We're following all the guidelines that are associated and, and being put in place by the CDC, following the restrictions and re different requirements from the airlines. You know, we, we do still hop on a plane and, and go handle customer callouts and, and troubleshooting, especially in emergency situations for uh, facilities that may have a number of essential workers. You know, a, a big part of our uh, project base and customer base is healthcare. From 2019 through 2020, we actively deployed cellular solutions in over 50 hospitals. So if we have an outage, that's you know critical critical item for us. We have to be on site within 24 hours to ensure that we have that piece of equipment either replaced, repaired, or, or up and running so that we are actively supporting and, and making sure that we have coverage to those essential workers. 
So important. It sounds like you guys are doing amazing things out there at Engineering Wireless Services. John Saliga, thank you so much for joining us and giving us that critical information to being able to deploy these networks. Thanks yeah, so thank much. You. For seeing you. Interested in being part of our show or advertising on our podcast? Contact us at info at fifthgenmedia.com for more information. We'd love to be a part of your success.